Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. And Andy, this week we are going to save our listeners from having to listen to me roll off the table yet again. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're taking an extended break while Chris like has an analysis done of his uh, gaming <laughs> and recording space, and he's getting proposals yeah. for constructing a system to keep him from rolling on the floor every single time. Yeah, it's very expensive, but we think it's worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. uh, no, t- today we're going to be talking about uh, convention prep. Um, so we're going to be talking about convention prep because Andy and I are running a convention in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, so we're going to do another roll for topic convention. We did one of these last year for some some of the previous guests, and this year we're going to do another one for some some guests and friends and family, uh, which is super exciting. But it also means that we are we're both planning a convention and we're also trying to plan uh, gaming sessions to run at that convention, which is it's daunting. I'll say that. <laughs> No, it's kind of kind of a lot to take on. But we wanted to use um this space as a way for like Andy and I to sort of like talk through some of our anxieties about the sessions that we're we're planning on running. Because, you know, it, it's our podcast, but then we also think that this is sort of useful to ha- see see some of the conversations that happen with GMs, sometimes just inside of their heads, but also with other people that run games about like, well, how am I gonna crack this? Like how am I gonna actually run this thing? So uh, without further ado, I'm going to ask you, Andy, um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you're planning on running at the convention and if you're running into any issues? Yeah, the game I'm planning to run is a one-shot, a three-hour one-shot of Twilight 2000, Mm -hmm. specifically the latest edition of it, which was kickstarted maybe a couple of years ago. It's a really nice box set. I have a very old edition of Twilight 2000. That I picked up, you know, at a, a probably I think as a garage sale or something years ago, and it's just always it's been on my um, my list of games I've always want, kind of wanted to play because it's mm-hmm. post-apocalyptic, but it has a different spin than your sort of standard Fallout, Mad Max type of post-apocalypse. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, as you know, Chris, since one of the challenges we gave ourselves for this gaming convention was to run something that we've kind of wanted to run for a long time but never gotten around to run it. Well, mm-hmm. so that's exciting, but it also means, at least for me, that there is a little extra anxiety attached because there's a reason I think most of us haven't run these games. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and in this case, it's because uh, Twilight 2000 is a little bit of a beast to wrap my head around uh, because because in a hobby market that is full of cool narrative genre emulation type games, this is a real throwback to military simulation. Death has a, a whole foot and maybe like half of a, the other foot in the <laughs> war, war game genre. Yeah. So it's just different. And um, the challenge I am facing is not can I understand these rules, because I can, but can I communicate this in a couple of hours to players that will have different levels of like experience with more wargamey games and maybe different levels of interest in the sort of realistic combat that this game is trying to, uh, you know, yeah. to simulate. So anyway, I just went on for a very long time, but that's what I'm running. And maybe I gave you a little insight as to what <laughs> why I'm feeling a little nervous about it. Yeah. Um, so I guess I have a couple of questions. So I'm not, I'm not familiar with this. Um, this is a leap. Is, is this related to the Twilight Struggle board game or is that a totally separate thing? It is not. Uh, okay. It is not related to that, uh, that wonderful, wonderful board game. Okay. Okay. Um, so then uh, my question is, right. So you say like war game. I'm imagining that there is a like intricate map with a bunch of hexes. Yep. On it that are dividing up like yeah post-apocalyptic Europe uh, and stuff is that the style of game that we're thinking about? Yeah, there's a, it comes with a a gorgeous like hex map of Poland, um, which okay. is, is fantastic. 
Uh, but it uh, it is also has that sort of hex map aesthetic on the level of like tactical combat, which your mm -hmm. PCs are engaging in. So, you know, the scale it's working on is normal RPG scale. You and a mm -hmm. couple of other people are, uh, you know, roaming around in, in immediately post-apocalyptic Poland getting into fights. But when you get into fights, you uh, you break out a hex map of the buildings and mm. it's like it's, it's about the complexity level of playing battle tech, you know, which okay. is to say... This is the first time in a long time in an RPG book I've seen rules for, you know, uh, which types of terrain block line of sight to what extent, you know, that kind of thing. How much cover does this type of hex provide? Mm. That's super wargaming. And I, I love that to bits, but I also haven't done it in an RPG in as long as I can remember. So, I mean, a couple of things that spring to my mind are just like, there might be so many rules to this game that it's almost impossible to even talk through like a turn of camp, turn of combat in three hours. Is, yeah. is that the case? There is a little bit of that, yes. Okay. The biggest challenge is it's it's not like the game is insanely complex. It's it's complex, but it's just different. It's a different type of experience. So it's a game where you almost want to do like a practice combat to show everyone how mm. it's going to work. It's a game that's trying to create a somewhat more believable combat system, which means taking turns and running out and shooting people and wearing down their hit points isn't really how it works. It's really hard to hit people unless you have set up someone to flank them and mm -hmm. uh, you're both in cover and, you know, yeah. there's uh, tactics, I guess, that you don't use if you're playing like the Fallout RPG where you're just mm -hmm. like, okay, I run out in the open and I shoot him with my pistol, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So for you as the GM, you have a lot of, um, it sounds like tactical levers you can pull um, to to just take out the <laughs> take out the whole party all at once yeah exactly okay. i don't you know i don't want uh, i don't want a, a big bloodbath mm -hmm. because just because people are aren't on the level of what this game is trying to do yeah it's that challenge that applies to any rpg not just games mm -hmm. like this you know how do you how do you show people how it works in a way that's low stakes enough that it won't tank the game but also mm -hmm. You know, I've only got three hours to work with, so... What's the... Um, so maybe, like, let's take a step back. So I guess, like, what is... You mentioned, like, showing them the game. Like, what to you is the important part of of what you're trying to do with this? Is the important part to, like, say that, yes, I cracked open the Twilight book finally, you know, and ran it? Or are you, you know, like, are you trying to show, like, off some cool part of the post-apocalyptic setting? Or do you really want to do the combat? I guess, like, yeah. What about you, Andy? What That's you an interesting question. So what most excites me about it, I, I do I do find the combat appealing, but what's actually most exciting to me about it is it's a hex crawl RPG. Okay. So uh, you, we will be we will have that map open, and they will say we're going to move to this hex, and I'm gonna I'm gonna roll on the table, or in this case, draw a card to find out what what's in the hex that they bump mm -hmm. into, and then we'll improvise an encounter. I've, okay kind of done that with fantasy rpgs i've really never tried that with a modern or futuristic rpg mm. so what i want to get out of it is like an improv heavy let's just see how far across this map of poland you get okay that's pretty cool yeah so would you be like flipping these cards over in the open or is this a like gm screen situation where everything's happening behind the scenes well i mean i i certainly like the idea of me being put on the spot along with the players so mm -hmm. um you know kind of like flipping the card over in front of the pcs okay so this is going to sound really trite and i'd be mad if you told me this but like i don't think you have much to worry about because right so like we're going to be playing with a lot of the people who are going to be at this con also are board gamers too so they're not going to be scared off i think by the mechanical complexity and i think the like knowing that you're everybody's sort of improving a bit will help 
help the thing going, like, yeah, help it all go along really well. So I think to me, it seems like your big, your big problem that you need to crack is sort of like, how many of these hexes are you going to hit? Right. And is yeah. there some sort of o- overarching goal that you're going to set up for them? Yeah. So I guess that that's a question, right? Like, do you think you might have, I don't know, you're starting here, you're trying to get to get to there and then we'll see what happens in between. Or is it just going to be an exploration of post-apocalyptic Poland? Well, I think probably a little bit more of the latter and maybe I'd welcome your take on that. Um, mm-hmm my thinking going into this was that I would not have like a plot set out that okay. I would, I am hoping to evoke as much of that like old school vibe as possible where I'm, it's mm-hmm. literally like, this is the map, maybe use a few kind of rumors or stories that they know you've heard that um, if you can get across the border and into Germany, there's maybe refuge there. Or if you can, get to a coast somehow you might be able to get to a boat i mean i might give them a few broad things to help them pick yeah. the direction they want to take across poland is it the sort of game that you could give each of the the characters a motivation yes absolutely okay. S- secret or otherwise right in a three-hour game i don't want i don't want chaos if it were the alien rpg where chaos is where that chaos of competing you know, motives, hidden motives is part of it. I, I would be up for it. And I don't want people splitting up. I'll put it that way. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. You can probably state that up front too. Yeah. But you you got to stay, got to stay together in some way. Yeah. I mean, I think having, having some sort of goal, even if it's one that they're defining themselves is really useful because when you're sitting down at a, con- a convention, like you're coming into it so cold, right? Like you might've heard about Twilight 2000 before, but you know, if you haven't read the rule book before, or like you don't have that session zero, set up where you know like you andy have pitched pitched each player on like what the game is going to be and stuff like i mean that's that's kind yeah. of a lot so i mean think, i think to have a like stated goal of like you are trying to escape even like something simple like that and it's like and then then they can decide like oh we're going to escape by crossing the border we're going to escape by finding the boat we're going to escape by digging a giant hole and hiding out for forever right you know right. like yeah like giving them giving them a somewhat vague goal as a group um could be helpful Hopefully sort of directing their first initial actions and their exploration. So yeah. here's, I have one question for you, mm-hmm. and then I don't want to talk about my game the whole time. Okay. Quiz yeah. about yours. Do you have suggestions for how I can create a sense that they've accomplished something and they've met a goal um, when just the framing of this game is they, I mean, they won't make it across Poland in a three hour one shot. They'll make yeah. it part way towards their goal so they will not they will not find a boat that takes them back home to america or whatever how might you approach that and do you think that i really ought to give them some sort of a concrete goal that they can accomplish by the end of the session or do you or not what do you think the the thought that immediately came to mind and you know take it or leave it but i wonder if you could do okay what if they're mail carriers right so like what if they're the the group that's tasked with delivering messages you know, like across Poland or something like that. Um, right. So you give them sort of some subtasks that can be, that you can sort of do at each of the hexes, hmm. right? If that makes sense. Like, yep. oh, like, you know, I have this bag full of like messages, you know, and I promised people that I would do my best to try to get them out to people. Right. So then it's like at each stop, there's something that they could do. Oh, you know, and maybe the, the goal is not necessarily like deliver all the messages to everybody in Poland. It's like, you know, see, see as far as, see how many of them that you can deliver while then also trying to meet your other goal of like escaping or something just to give them like, yeah, like some small thing, some, some, some small action that they can do with each of the NPCs yeah. that they encounter. You know, it doesn't have to be mail, you know, like collecting food, 
I don't know, like setting up a trade route. Like, yeah, like pick pick whatever you want, right? Something that would make sense in, in that, that scenario. That is a really good idea. Yeah. I, okay. okay. My, my, the gears are spinning <laughs> on the, on that one. I really like the idea of just having something they can fall back on. Okay. All right. That's giving me a lot of cool stuff to think about. So uh, okay. my last comment I was going to make was just that I had to, I had to make my saving throw. I started poking around for props for this game and, uh, <laughs> Before long, I was deep in the depths of eBay and other places looking at, like, Soviet maps of uh, <laughs> central Poland from 1976. And and then I uh, snapped out of it when I saw how much the uh, my my shopping cart had yeah. amount had gotten to. And I was like, you know, we're just going to we're going to skip the props this time. But that's great <laughs> all right so um enough about my game you are running a very different kind of game although uh, maybe some of the challenges will overlap so mm-hmm. tell us what you're running and uh i guess i don't want to assume that you're anxious about it but tell us a little bit about uh what's going on in your head yeah um so andy you know me of course i'm anxious about it <laughs> but yeah. yeah well isn't that the funny thing like we are going to yeah. be playing in the most friendly possible environment I know, for right. a GM and listen yeah. to us like we just can't get over ourselves. All right. Yeah, it's, like, it's, a con- it's a convention we invented for people that we like. You know, so it's like, okay, yes. I mean, this is going to be be a gimme <laughs> if there ever was a session. Yeah, so my, my whole, you know, like the white whale thing, I'm taking that pretty, I'm taking that to heart. So something I've always thought about doing and I've never been able to do, and we've talked about this on the podcast, so I won't belabor it too much. Um, but like, I want to run a like high level, level 20 D&D boss fight, right? Just like you, you have everything available to you. Like, let's see what you can do doing a boss fight. I am anxious and nervous about it though, because I've never, I've never actually run anything at that level before. So I have no idea really what to expect, uh, first of all. Um, and then I'm starting to look at just kind of the mechanical complexity that can get introduced with even like three level 20 characters, right? Like yeah. your action economy stuff just starts to fly out the window, right? It's just like you, you can just do so much on each turn. It's like, yeah. how do you have, how do you craft something where a boss can survive one turn, but then not also total, total party kill them the next turn, right? So there's like all these things that are going into it. I'm just like, I don't like, I don't know if I can pull this off. You know, so I've been thinking a lot about waffling and saying, well, I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to run something else. But then I'm like, well, but yep. I got to run my white whale because I'm running a convention about <laughs> running your white whales. Um, yeah. So like I, I'm committed to trying it, I think, although we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. But like I really I really want to do it because I think it would be good for me. Um, like I just want to you know, see how that all works and stuff. Um, and then I think it'd be fun, fun for the players too, just to be able to unleash with these these high level characters as well. But yeah, so the the challenges I'm facing right now, and I think you had mentioned it is that to run run something at this level effectively, it's useful to use like D&D Beyond or something, yeah. you know, some sort of digital system like that, just because there's so much to keep track of. And if something can do the math for you, that's that's going to yeah. be even better. Otherwise, you'll spend, you know, half your time doing addition. Problem yeah. is, I've never really run with the ND Beyond uh, before, too. So I've got this, like, this, like, anxiety about crafting the right scenario, but then also, like, um, I might have to introduce technology in here, too, like brand uh, new tech. Then that is a big extra thing to add. Yeah, it is. I mean, and, you know, like, I've, I've, use D beyond and like you know i have character sheets and stuff in it but i think it's you know i'm given under understand like it's a little bit different on the gm side and then there's just you know questions about like well do i have to bring a bunch of tablets for people you know can yeah. i just trust everybody as a phone on them do i even want them to all have phones and stuff so then i'm like well let's just go back to only paper but then it's like well then you got the 
the complexity of trying to figure out what each spell does. Um, yeah, yeah. By, by reading the book and doing the math and stuff yourself. So that's sort of where I'm at with like the mechanics of it. The story itself, I think I have pretty well defined Good. Um, and I'm pretty excited for it. Like I've got, I've got some like fun NPCs. I've got a reason why all these people would just kind of show up together, you know, who they'd fight um, those sorts of things. Good. So, yeah, I guess, uh, so I've talked for a while now. What's, what's sort of your reaction to that? Yeah. My reaction is excitement at the idea. And I, and I would also be anxious about this for exactly the reasons you state. So here's what I think the biggest challenge might wind up being. It is not that you have to figure out all the player abilities. It's that the players will have to do that. Yeah. And a good boss fight level, at, you know, level 20. I mean, that, that should require that you are wringing every bit of mechanical effect that you can out of your character and their powers mm -hmm. and so if someone were to sit down at the table and hasn't played D, &D much or has never played beyond whatever fourth level or something like that i think the challenge might be how do you help them play their character effectively without just handing them like a six page printout of all the spells and abilities that they can pick from yeah that they're gonna have to just stare you know it's their turn and they just have to stare and read the description of everything they can do so how do you help players quickly acquire mastery of their characters yeah so this is this is where i'm waffling right and like this conversation might end with me saying like okay actually this is a terrible idea let's do, let's do something else yeah because it's like you know it is a lot to ask of the players and i think to me it would be it would be pretty deflating if the session ended up being six people trying to like figure out how to use D, &D beyond Mm -hmm. right yeah. like together like that Absolutely. that's not that's not what i'm after right like that that is not a white whale to me that's like a albatross right like that's that's a bad thing yeah so that's why i'm i'm just thinking like well let's just have it on the character sheet and it's like you know you can you can tone down the characters too right i could hand them all pre-gens um yeah. you know i could ask them to bring bring their uh bring character sheets with them but i also don't want to give out homework yeah. necessarily either and that's a that's a lot of homework because they they got to buy magic item i mean it's it's yeah. potentially a lot yeah so it's potentially a lot like and i think i mean i have like i i have some ideas about how we could handle magic items too and like you know how you could in in fiction giving them the the chance to pick up some magic items and stuff and like yeah have have ways to spend some money and, and things but yeah it's just uh i'm i'm worried about the bookkeeping part of it like i think i could i think i can do the the like tell a compelling story, have a fun, fun boss fight, you yeah. know, like with, with lots of fun twists and turns and stuff. And like, yeah, have that all go off. But it's like, it's really just the question of like, yeah, if I hand a level 20 wizard to someone and it's like, you have, I don't know how many spells you have at level 20, like, is it, is it 10? Is it a hundred? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like, do you have access to, you know, all sorts of stuff? And it's like, well, I mean, really should I just be telling you like, well, here's fireball. And then here's how many, you know, how many dice you're going to roll. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you, if you have a stripped down character sheet at level 20, then it's not really the experience either. Exactly. So one question I got to ask is, so what do you, this is your white whale. What do you want to get out of it? We've been describing a scenario where it sounds like what you want to get out of it is basically wrangling with, level 20 D, D mechanics is that yeah is that the white whale or is it that you want you want a combat encounter that feels like the end of the most awesome epic fantasy movie ever because the latter you can do with you know whatever lasers and feelings you know, know if you want so what do you want to get out of it yeah that's a super good question i think it's the i think it's grappling 
the white whale portion of it to me at least as i initially conceived this is definitely the like let's grapple with like the high level like all the stuff that you know i haven't gotten a chance to use in the yeah you know in the player's handbook but that seems like i don't know just the more that we're talking about it, that seems like a very like not super fun <laughs> necessarily without some of the like the built-up knowledge of the campaign yeah going into it yeah because like i mean i've had epic boss fights before right? like I, i've run those before and they did not happen at level 20 right they, you know they can happen sort of at any level any level that the characters are at um with the right right description and stuff like you don't have some of the mechanical awesomeness that happens but it's also like it's fine like you can still tell tell those stories yeah so i don't know it's like you know the more that we talk the more i think about it the more i'm just like i don't think i don't know if this is the right thing to do at this style of con if we had two sessions two three-hour sessions then you're running the con you get i know (laughs) you can choose how many sessions you have i'm gonna cancel everything yeah but yeah, it's, it's like if you had two sessions, like one one devoted to character creation and understanding your characters and stuff, and another other to actually doing it, that might be a little bit different. So like I have other ideas of stuff that I could run um, at the con that would be a little bit more approachable, but it also just feels I guess okay. So like let's get let's get down to brass tacks. Like the the real anxiety here is like so I've kind of put my my flag in the sand. Like I've, I've said like this is what I'm going to run, and like the more that I'm prepping and getting into it, the more I'm like. I don't know if this is going to be fun, <laughs> fun for anybody. So should I just like pull the ripcord and do something else? And it's hard to know if that's your GM anxiety speaking and you need to mm-hmm. push past it because you, you'll have fun in the end. Or yeah. if that's your brain telling you, war- like legitimately warning you, you're <laughs> investing energy into something that's not going to pay off for you. I know, right? Yeah. It's like I, I need like maybe a year of therapy in between now and the con to really, really <laughs> yeah. sort that out. Let me throw something else out there. Those are all great points. So Mm -hmm. I I was trying to think what is different about uh, level 20 characters fighting a boss? What's different about that besides that they have bigger pluses and more spells in their arsenal? What's different Mm -hmm. from like just a great level four boss fight? And like one thing that sprang to mind that is that would be challenging for a one shot that, you know, what is a level 20 fight? It's a fight you you played for like two years together with these people to reach. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So so some of like the guidance for the characters would almost surely be like your favorite move in combat is to cast bull strength on so and so and then whatever and to pick up the dwarf and th- throw him and you have a spe- you know you have a special move you call the the bowling ball or something you know that yeah. you do with pc number 1 that's hard to you know, you you can't just um create 2 years of shared player interaction but you might be able to you know point people to it and encourage them to think of this less as Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I got to play my character well and more like I'm in this team and we're going to work together the way we have for years. Yeah. Okay, Andy. So this is maybe maybe a good idea, but maybe a terrible idea. What if the conceit of the session is that like I found I found like a dusty starter set in the attic <laughs> and pulled it out and inside there were, you know, like six character sheets from like this old old adventuring party inside and like so each of the character sheets is like fully filled out right but then there's like stuff circled right like oh. like there and there is like written in the margins like you know like bull rush with like yeah with fox the dwarf right like yeah. you know <laughs> like pointed out like that so you can kind of guide people in oh, that way and it's like oh and then this, like and then, just... and then the gm yeah like left yes like there's like this final scenario in here and like yeah 
Okay, so I think I just talked myself into that <laughs> as an idea. Um, all right, so if you if you're planning on playing the session, uh, don't listen. Don't listen to the previous thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You've got to. Uh, yeah. Maybe just switch off the podcast real quick for a minute. Okay. And yeah. I mean, I know we don't have a ton of time before the con, but like you know, make those player character sheets. Put you got to put doodles in the side. You got to put. I know. Someone used the margins to track like their hit points in every battle for the last seventy-two <laughs> game sessions. You know, you've got yeah. to. There'll be incomprehensible notes that they jotted down and like. Yeah. Not comprehensible to anyone else okay. okay all right well all right well so so now i gotta figure out how to do that okay so thank you for talking through this but i think i think that's the hook that makes it work right yep. you're 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 totally right like giving the players the clues that they need for actually having how to run these um yeah run these characters i think that that could work really well so now we're gonna spend the next you know two weeks like chatting about this offline yeah <laughs> of course not, well, not in front of the mic but i, I have yeah. one final piece of advice for you and that is um I guess I do not really want to tell you to learn a new system in the next two weeks to run this mm -hmm. crazy, challenging scenario. But, you know, one option you have is to grab the basic D&D &D rulebook, which is the one you would be finding in someone's attic if you're going to mm -hmm. play into that. Um, and the rules are, you know, significantly simpler and more GM calls and less mm. rules to memorize. So... Okay. I don't I don't have any idea if that sounds impossible to you do and to do in just a couple of weeks, but you do mm. have some options for D&D &D that's not um, for high level, interesting D&D. &D that's not uh, the eight page printout. That is your level 25th edition druid. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right on. Like, so you, you said something that like, I'm really kind of grabbing onto is like, yeah, so, like playing an epic boss fight doesn't have to happen at level 20. But I think, yeah, if I can find... We can find a way to do this now with this kind of this this new direction. It might not be at level twenty, and I think that would still be okay. Like it'd still be interacting with with the game in that way. Or like you said, like you know, just have a totally different system, and that's fine too. Okay, all right. Well, now I have a lot to think about yep. now. But you have you've made it so I'm actually excited about this idea and not anxious about it. Okay, like only, well, mission only anxious, So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, Chris, um, okay. thanks for uh, kind of deviating mm -hmm. from our usual our usual format here, and thanks, listeners, for listening to a couple of self pitying <laughs> GMs uh, moaning mm -hmm. about the fact that they have to do the thing they love doing. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I hope it's helpful, right? Like, I think the the core idea of this podcast has always been like demystifying GMing a little bit, like you know, like what actually goes into it. So I think a lot of people look at like all the books and they're like, oh, I could never do that. And it's like, well, I mean, really, what it comes down to is just sort of thinking about what's cool or like, <laughs> yeah. You you know, and then like, I mean, there's some rules and stuff and that's great. Um, yeah, you can tell I'm, I'd be a great level 20 <laughs> GM, but I think exposing some of these these conversations out loud is, is always a good thing too. Um, so yeah, hopefully this was interesting on some level. And if you are, if you've been listening to this and being like, what are these people doing? Like they really just need to do this. Um, please reach out. We have a contact page yeah, on our website at gmdiscussions.com. And we always welcome uh, hearing, hearing from people. Yeah. I think that that should probably be about it for us. Do you have anything else that you wanted to say, Andy, before we sign off? I was just going to say, if we were being honest with ourselves, our real white whale GMing goal would be to actually read the dungeon master's guide. You know, before <laughs> the con, so. but, yeah. but no, I haven't seen anyone uh, say, suggesting that they're going to take such a radical action so oh my goodness could you imagine there's just a session that's a, a quiet reading session of the dungeon master's guide and we can all stop each other <laughs> yes. every five minutes and go did you know about this there have been topics on this podcast that i've expressed uh 
confusion and mystery about where there's like I've, I've later learned there's literally like a page and a half of great meaty discussion and rules about it in the dungeon master's <laughs> guide so it does make me just add to that sense that this yeah. that we're all just frauds here but yes yes yeah and that's okay we're all we're all frauds yes. everywhere. <laughs> but yeah so roll for topic is part of the roll for it media uh podcast network um our sister show is the splat book um with john Corey and kyle latino it's a really lovely podcast it's one of my favorites and not just because I, I love those guys but just because it's it's a good podcast i've been doing a series of actual plays during the summer which have been super fun uh, they just had Matt Wilson on, who's been on this podcast, and he's my GM. Uh, he played Cthulhu Confidential with them, which is a super fun mystery game. And then, let's see, what else? They also played uh, Tunnel Goons recently, which sounds like a fun, uh, a super fun game with uh, Shell Khan as well. So go check those out. I really enjoyed those um, quite a bit. But uh, yeah, so for Roll for Topic, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. And remember, if your player's having fun, you're a great GM. Yeah.